freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Salk. Brock Ewart is my hero. Jay Buter just punched me in the kidney. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studio. On Seattle Sports. So we're going to do you our manager. Don't really work that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen and Ballard. Now here are your hosts, Brock Ewart and Mike Salk. Hello! Every long-running sports radio duo does eventually have a fight. Some are harder to get over than others. We heard the one in Phoenix years ago with Doug and Wolf. Ugly. Ugly fight about the Raiders brand, right? (laughs) Ugly that fight was. (laughs) It was. Dude stormed off, right? I mean, Doug and Wolf were furious at each other. You call calling each whether or not you're calling him a man. I mean, like they were they were super, super, super angry. You don't ever tell me to shut up. Shut up. You're not man enough to tell me to shut up. Right? I mean, now there's a lot of fights that we've heard over the years. Were any of them as bad as yesterday when Brock walked out of the show protesting the lack of Mount Rainier in a ranking of mountains? I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to say. Mike, when you grow up in uh, Puyallup. I asked if young people think that. That's all I did. And you got bent out of shape about it. As Aaron Rodgers would say, relax. You know what, Doug? Shut up. No. Don't ever tell me to shut up. Shut up. You're not man enough to tell me to shut up. That's a joke. You want to go? You want to go? You don't ever say that to me. Bull crap. What? I love of all the time we've played that many times and I feel bad because they're they're on our sister station in Arizona. But of all the times we play it, the thing that I always come back to, Brock, is Wolf is mad enough to say do you want to go, but not mad enough to actually curse and he says bull crap. Right. It's unbelievable. Yes. Because he is of my ilk in that way. So try to fight that tongue as much as possible. He's but, willing to fight well, you know, his you, partner. Sure, when you got partners curse. partners that are just so difficult sometimes yes. that just frankly won't listen, won't learn, and won't understand, okay, the the the, the power, the meaning of what Mount Rainier means in our community. Right. Yeah, bull crap. And if I'll w- throw my headsets off and I'll storm out of and the room. I'll be very clear with everybody, including you, Brock. If it was Rainier Mountain, it would have absolutely <laughs> been on the list, probably number one. Yeah. But Mount Rainier in yeah. a ranking of mountains yes. really would have been inappropriate. Oh, yeah, but you were like, oh, right. Mounties is funny, isn't it? We should put that in there. It would have well, been inappropriate. Mount. Let's just be clear. It sure, would, have, it would sure. have been inappropriate to have put it in so there. So like St. Helens Mountain that blew up and took people's lives? Yeah, if it had been Mountain St. Helens or St. Oh. Helens Mountain, oh. then yes. Oh, oh, okay. Well, how about the beautiful night last night where home runs were once again flying and you looked out to the west and there were the beautiful... Olympic mountains. Yeah, that's mountains. Did you even think about it? No, mountains. <laughs> no, but mountain. Yes, I, I don't understand why this is so confusing to you. But well, how about if the you mountain? And need a little bit of. If you and more need a little bit of education on the subject, Justin and I will teach a class at care. some point. I like to be annoyed. That's how about exactly the right. mountain of a man, better known as Mike Ford. Ooh, how, about how about that, that guy? guy? Built Ford tough. That's all this line of needed. And the one old pitch to Ford. Swinging a well hit ball again into the gap in right center field. Going and going. He did it again. Mike Ford with his second home run of the night. How about that? That was unexpected, right? Oh, not you were the, expecting it? Sorry. No, I'm sorry. The, no, no, no. It was expected. My season. bad. 
Not this season. I don't know of anything you could expect or unexpected this season. This season, he counted and paid Colton Wong $10 million bucks, and he found a much better alternative that's been in the minors for four <laughs> years himself. So I don't know if this season, Mike, what there is to expect or, you know, a Bryce Miller that comes up. Uh, I mean, this, this has been the year of the unexpected, but it has sure been nice to see the offense, at least that discipline, yeah. the process of what we expected in 2023 yeah, so, so, come to life. So last, you know, came in this morning before I even got here, I had a whole bunch of texts from people already upset about the possibility of us drinking the Kool-Aid today and right. jumping on the bandwagon and all of that. Uh, I, I don't know whether you're going to consider this Kool-Aid drinking or not. I guess we'll find out if we all die at some point. But the Mariners have taken a positive approach in six of their last seven games. I can state that fairly definitively. At the plate, they have taken a positive step forward in terms of their approach at the plate in six of their last seven games. The results still not exactly where they should be other than the last two games. But they've looked better. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. There was a change in communication, according to Scott Service. I would love to know, Brock, what went on behind the scenes to to make this change occur. Let me play again. This is what he said, not after last night, but after the game before. This was Scott on some of what had gone on behind the scenes after the awful series in Texas. Uh, I think I said it um, in the road trip after we got out of Texas. wanted to, to change our messaging up a little bit on what we were trying to do. Um, really focusing on hitting as many balls in the middle of the field as you can. And it has helped out. It certainly helped Teo out a bunch. I think he's been really good here over the last week or so. Um, Ty kind of does it naturally. But it needs to be, you need a conscious effort to do it. And it just, it gives you a better chance of, of making better swing decisions when you're not trying to pull everything. And our guys are doing it. They're getting really good results. And they're still pulling balls. Yes, he also Mike Ford, uh, two home runs to, to right center field. Cal, a home run to right field. Doesn't mean everything you hit soft. It right. doesn't mean you play for singles. It doesn't mean you just try to hit up the middle and hit down on a baseball. It doesn't mean you have fundamental wholesale changes, but it just means that the most basic of fundamentals, and this is what the best coaches in my life in any sport always do. Go back to the basics. When the radio show is struggling, stay on time. Don't make fun of your partner. Okay. <laughs> go to break when you're supposed to go to break. <laughs> Have an opinion for crying out loud. Just go back to the basics. <laughs> like sports. Have a hot take every once in a while. Just right. go back to the basics yes. of sports radio. Absolutely. You know, go yeah. to the fundamentals. So when you are struggling, don't you? I mean, you've heard this, right? For 20 years, go back to the very, you know, in football, you strip away all these plays. You get back to your bread and butter. What do you hang your hat on? What is our team and our culture and our basic fundamentals? That's what you do. You go back to it. You just reset. And, you know, I, I know Scott went and tried to explain it further a little bit with Divish. And he said, I know it's hard to explain, but it's just, yeah, you just try to keep it as simple as possible. Would you say that this is Scott's strength? Because I think I would, that, that, that he doesn't overreact. And this is why there is that intermediate ground between everything is great and fire everybody. Yep. There's an intermediate, which is everything is not great. It needs to be fixed. And the people who are in charge are capable of fixing it. Scott's been a good manager for a long time now. I really do believe that. It appears to me in this situation as if he identified a problem, he came up with a plan for a solution, and now they are executing on that solution. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that the first 60 games of the season were okay or that they disappear or any of that. They played like garbage overall for the first 60 games of the season, and they dug themselves a huge, huge hole in their division. Thankfully, 
that hole is not as large in the wild card. It's still a hole, but it's within four or five games. They're right mm-hmm. there, and you go on a seven-game winning streak like the A's have done, and you're going to be right in the thick of things in the wild card moving forward. It appears to me as if they've identified a problem and come up with a solution to try to change the approach. And once the approach gets fixed, eventually, usually with good players, which I think we all believe they've had, tend to come up with good results. And that's what we've seen for the last two nights as they've been scoring, what, eight, nine runs a game. And they've combined it with good pitching. They've combined it with good base running. They've combined it with good defense. And now, Brock, they've taken a series from a good Florida team with a chance to go for a sweep tonight. Isn't that what you've been looking for? Uh, Exactly. And there's those driving around in the shadows of Mount Rainier this morning thinking, just hit home runs, boys. It's pretty simple. When this team hits home runs, they're 28 and 14, and they're a a contender in their division. But to just hit home runs doesn't mean grip it and rip it and swing for the fences. It actually is quite the opposite, right? (laughs) It is the most maddening thing about this skill sport. It's not a try-hard sport, as I had to tell Titus. It is a skill sport. And when those skills come to life, and the skill of hitting a home run in particular, this team can win a bunch of ball games. Well, I got some sound that Titus is going to want to hear coming up here in 20 minutes. We'll do it right after everything you need to know next. If we're still together, Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. First. Well, is this finally the real Mariners who have shown up? Hopefully, for the second straight night, everything came together. Pitching, defense, hitting, all in sync. And they even delivered the big hit with men on base. Here comes the 0-1. Swung on, hot shot down the third base. Line. Fair ball rolling to the corner. Here comes Gino. He'll score. Cal right behind him. Racing to third base is Ford. He's being waved. Caballero going into third. Ford will score. Caballero slides. A bases clearing triple at third base. Jose Caballero. He has just been a force. Stole a couple of bases. Found himself on big triple with men on base. You got a three-run shot from Cal. Two home runs from Mike Ford of all people. And that was supposed to be the recipe when you combine it with the fantastic pitching. I thought that was about as good as I've seen George Kirby at any point and good defense. Ty France with a couple of nice plays. I mean, Brock, that's the recipe for success. Yeah. And that guy, uh, Caballero, that's everything you wanted from Colton Wong. He's actually younger and faster and steals more bases, but you know, some of the pop that you wanted from Colton Wong, well, he's provided that and hit home runs and, and the, the scrappy play and, and the defense. I mean, every everything that you expected when you traded and, and are paying for Colton Wong, you are getting from somebody you had no expectation Yeah, of. I like the way Scott phrased this. He, he understands what the game's called for, whether it's uh, leading off an inning, whether you walk up there with the bases loaded, and he was ready to hit. He was on the first pitch, he just fouled it off, but he stayed with it. Um, you know, he's fun to watch play. He's got a little edge to him. I've talked about that since the minute he got here. He's got some energy, and we need that. You need that uh, those young guys or those guys trying to make a mark in this league that bring it every day, and he's certainly one of them. Yeah, and speaking of bringing it, uh, your eye was right, Salk. I don't know if you saw some of the numbers after the game that the Mariners PR folks put out as far as George Kirby's start. You realize last night he threw the fastest recorded pitch he has as a Mariner 99. last night? 99.4 yeah. miles an hour. I 90, caught that. I was like, whoa, did he just go 99 top of the zone? Hello. 99.1 yeah. against the Yankees earlier, 99.4. He's nearly 100 miles an hour, but he can throw 10 strikeouts and no walks. And he can command those pitches. And I saw what you retweeted with the old pitching ninja. Ooh. I don't. You're just guessing. 
At that point, you are just guessing on 95, 96, cutting both sides of the plate. Yeah, his his sinker literally broke all the way across the plate <laughs> at, at 96 miles an hour, whatever the heck he throws. It's just, just a really dominant performance from a very good young pitcher last night. To go for the sweep this evening, Luis Castillo gets the ball. Here's the second thing you need to know. Well, it only took six years. Congratulations to the Las Vegas Golden Knights. It has happened in Vegas. The Cubs going to stay in Vegas. And for the first time, the Golden Knights are Stanley Cup champions. Not a lot of drama last night as they blow out Florida in game five. No Matthew Kachuk for Florida last night. You know why, Brock? He just had a broken sternum. No big deal. He played through it in game four after he needed help getting dressed and getting his jersey on, but it was just a little too much for him in game five to go with a broken sternum. Uh, God, hockey fans, players are different. Yeah, they're they're amazing, and the fans in some markets are going to be insufferable. I know that you've already had you've always had trouble with the Hobbitons. How are those Vegas fans going to be? Oh, just obnoxious. I mean, absolutely, positively obnoxious. For years to come, what did they win it? Their sixth year, the fastest to ever win a Stanley Cup, or yeah, second year. second fastest, I believe. Is it second fastest? I believe, and I read this last night that Edmonton won it in five years in 1984. Really? That, and I didn't realize that. I mean, I remember those huh. great Edmonton teams, but I, you know, had always thought they had been there longer than that. But I believe Edmonton came in in '79, <laughs> won in '84. Was it a Somebody little different? Me on that. Was it a little different for you and Mora and Justin? To see Lord Stanley's Cup after, well, for Mora, kissing it and hugging it and touching it and everything else. But for you and Justin to... I did not kiss it. Yeah. Oh, you didn't kiss it? What did you do? You just hugged it? Yeah. Oh, all right. Was it well, different? Was it different to see that a, trophy? Yes. It was more of a chaste <laughs> cuddling kind of a situation, Brock. There's no reason to make this dirty. It's very chaste. Here's the third thing you need to know. Inappropriate. As Haley once said on this show, inappropriate. Oh. Huh? You. You? What do you mean me? I didn't do anything. You're the one being I gross with she, the Stanley Cup. I just said she hugged it. That's not what you said. Now and you're just not. Well, there you go. And Thank that's, you. And that's a little bit I different. I thought she kissed it. I apologize. All right. Jeez. Try to get these things. Brock, it's about correctness. Uh, maybe you would have been one of the guys who was having issues on the canoe yesterday. The Seahawks took everybody canoeing on Lake Washington. Mike Morris via Bob Condota here. Very unimpressed with his teammates. Never again. Never again. I need Navy SEALs with the next time I go. This dude right here, panicking every... Twitching all the time. No, never again. Not with him. Never again. I guess you're not a water guy, huh? No, I like the water. I'm cool with the water. It's just it's just cold. I know the water's cold because I'm on the West Coast. Y'all ain't got warm water like in Florida. And I didn't want to get wet. And plus, people were twitching and stuff, and I wasn't really trying to get wet. So, uh-uh, never again. Gosh, he has some Mike Bennett to him. Doesn't right? he? Yes, it's the tone of his voice, the way he speaks. Yeah, there is a lot of Mike, like a lot of Mike Bennett. I, and I don't know who it was. Was Coach Pete twitching? Because the picture I saw, he looked. I've never seen Coach Carroll look scared. <laughs> ever. Ever in any football game. I've never seen that I mean, face. Look, I mean, Pete he obviously is, is young for his age, but he gets dumped in Lake Washington in early June. I mean, no, he's not like he's got a wetsuit on. You don't want to be the guy who accidentally knocked the coach into the lake. I'm just going to say that. Was that picture tweeted, the close-up of his face, to see the utter terror? <laughs> Poor Pete. Fear. Poor Pete. Uh, that is everything you need to know. We do that quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salk Show. That's hey, inappropriate. 
<laughs> Very inappropriate. Oh, my. So inappropriate. Exactly. So inappropriate. It's Haley. Enough. So good. Um, <laughs> she didn't sound like Can that you anymore. Believe she's a junior in college I, to be? No, I, I choose not to believe that. <laughs> hey, uh, did I, did I didn't play this for you yet, but this was Scott after last night's game, just sort of talking about how he felt this win felt a little different. Uh, it certainly feels a little different um, just on the production that we've had offensively from different parts of the lineup, everybody contributing. And, um, you know, it feels different in the clubhouse. I think the players understand that, you know, we needed to make some adjustments. We have. Um, we're starting to get the results from it. But we've got to stay with it day after day after day to grind through it. And, uh, again, I, I've brought this up before, but, you know, the exciting thing for me is we're getting the pressure on the starting pitcher on the other team early in the game. You see the pitch count get up, and all of a sudden you look, it's fourth, fifth inning, and they're gone. And that's a really good sign. That's how we're typical. We're used to playing. You know, we get deep in counts. We take some walks. It's back-to-back nights, uh, you know, single-digit strikeouts by us. Um, it doesn't sound like a big deal. It's a big deal. We're getting the ball in play. Uh, we're just having good at-bats up and down the lineup. Yeah, you look like you're a team that's hard to pitch to. And by the way, last night, that's what JP, I know he had a good at-bat in the first inning and worked the count a little bit, but that's what JP and Julio last night going 0 for 10. So it wasn't as if those guys set the table. It was as, as, as Scott just said there. It's the rest of the guys all contributing and putting it together. And and then do you see who they're facing tonight, by the way? Did you see that little graphic of who they got tonight? No. Oh, the number one prospect in the Marlins system. Oh, good. 20-year-old flamethrower, six foot eight. Okay. Yeah, throwing like 97. I'll so take my chances fun. with the Mariners against a flamethrower. They'll hit a yeah. fastball. I mean, like say what you want about this team. They hit fastballs. They crush them generally. The question is, does the kid have enough breaking stuff? Because that's the thing that seems to have driven this team insane over the course of the year. All right. Coming up next, Brock, three conversations in 15 minutes we need to have. It's Brock and Salk on 710 CLSports.com. This is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. I want to go through three stories in 15 minutes before we do Blue 88 at uh, 745. Brock, I'll start with this one. What we saw in Oakland last night. Crazy to watch it, right? Twenty, Almost 28,000 people in the reverse boycott yesterday. They showed up to boycott the team which was really a tremendous idea. And credit to the A's, even though they deserve very, very little, they did take the extra revenue from the day and donate it to charity. So at least they didn't, like, capitalize on their fans being mad at them and showing up in order to show, you know, the world that it's not on them. They're not the problem. It's the team, not the fans. And yesterday was a busy day, right? The uh, Nevada State Senate passed this $380 million bill to help fund the proposed stadium, even though none of them seem to think it's a good idea idea they've all decided to just give away 380 million dollars it's got to go to the state assembly who will vote on the bill and then to the governor who's definitely going to sign it uh, and they would need relocation approval from mlb the owners should not give it i understand why vegas is saying yes even though it's probably not a good deal to bring in this team with this stupid owner mm-hmm. but baseball should look at this and say this is an embarrassment what's happening right now is embarrassing The fans, all they want is for their team to be legitimate, and this guy won't let it happen. And it's not just because of the stadium. It's because of the owner, and it has been for a long time. Yeah, I I would – this is one of those moments that I have over the years as I've just kind of gained, I think, more intel on the way baseball works Mm -hmm. and certainly have watched my own son navigate uh, this baseball world and, and hopefully for some years to come as well. 
that, you know, I always used to make football comparisons to baseball because that's just what I knew. And now I find myself making a lot of baseball comparisons in football games, probably more than I ever thought I would. But in this moment, I do think, what if this were the NFL? What if Roger Goodell, Jerry Jones, the power broking owners, power broker owners in the NFL, would they have ever allowed it to get to this point? Would they have ever allowed a stadium in a situation like that where you have a, a boycott in the stadium? Where, I mean, it's funny because they literally were playing games in that stadium until a couple yeah, of years ago. Yeah, I mean, ago. Al Davis was difficult now. Right. Al Davis was was a brilliant businessman and a very difficult partner. And, yeah, I mean, he's there's no question that, that there have been moments in the past. I am just curious in today's iteration of the NFL. It's hard to say because I don't know that they have had anything quite like this. I mean, the Jaguars have some complications and challenges. I mean, yep. they've allowed some really scummy I mean, the owner in Washington is an absolute right. mess. This but is not to say. That's right. They, they finally are. But, but it does show you, right? And, and Dan Snyder shows you this. And even Donald Sterling yeah, they, for all those could... years in the NBA showed you this, that they're the owners. And even though that's a co-op with 31 yeah. other owners in, in the NFL and 29 other owners, they still are the owner. And it is very difficult to unseat them and to move them. Well, they don't need to, to unseat him. The first thing they could do here is just say you're not moving the team. That we would rather be loyal to the people of Oakland than see you go and but fail that tenant, again somewhere else. Okay, but that owner has shown you, I right, like, like a homeowner, that, he, hey, we just need you to cut your lawn. Can you just f- abide by the HOA rules? He has shown you that he will have raw sewage flowing through that stadium and possums living in the press box like he don't care i totally understand and i'm not like forever against teams moving from the wrong city to the right one but this one feels like a mistake because the problem is not the city the problem is not that metropolitan area the a's have a a somewhat proud tradition anyway uh going back 30 40 years in oakland and the east bay it's not like the east bay is a small area Mm-hmm. I don't think it's right. I really don't. And and I don't think the owners will stand up. I don't think they'll block this. I'm sure they'll end up with this stupid, you know, move to Vegas and all that. But it is it is a huge bummer that it's going to go down that way. All right. Story number two to get to, Brock, is uh, your guy, Nikola Jokic, who uh, was talking yesterday. And this is not a basketball story. I don't want to do too much in terms of basketball because I saw yesterday that Seattle was the 53rd ranked market in terms of watching the finals out of 56 markets. Mike, even though the wound heals, that scar. That scar remains. That scar yeah, remains. Michael said it best. I was trying uh, to think that lyric, and it came to me. <laughs> that was good. I'm glad it, it, it struck you there. Yes. Brett Michaels really stays with you forever. Yes. Uh, here was Nikola jo- yeah, Jokic, though, um, talking about how to succeed in sports and maybe even in life. If you want to be a successful, you need a couple of years. You need to you need to be a bad. Then you need to be the good. When you're good, you need to fail. Um, and then when you fail, you're gonna figure it out. You know, I think the experience is something that is not what happened to you. Is what you're gonna do with that. With happen, what happened to you, you know. And uh, yes, Jamal was injured. Yes, we we lose the first round or second round in the playoff. I don't even remember who remembers. Uh, but there is a steps that you need to fill. There is no shortcuts. There, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a journey, and uh, I'm glad that I'm part of this journey. I mean, it is, to some degree, what you were talking about last Friday. Was it Friday? How did the choir, how did the choir tour go? Did, uh, it went the pretty chi- great. Did child number one fail? Was no, she Avery, delinquent? Avery, did she Avery get arrested? Did she, did not, <laughs> she did not get into any trouble. I asked her specifically, 
And she said there were some kids that got into trouble for stealing mints from the oh, uh, oh. from the uh, restaurant they went to. They took too uh, many mints. Yep. Uh, I mean, they, I don't know if it's really counts as stealing when they're free mints, but you know, they right. took more than was appropriate. So that was that. That's the kind of trouble I wanted her to get in. Like really <laughs> small trouble, yes. but she wouldn't do it. She refused. <laughs> I know it's too bad. And then they, Cecily was like, "How come you never tell me to get in trouble?" I'm like, "Well." I really don't need to. Thanks. No. Yeah. Great at it. So many parents right now are listening to this going, that is my one and two. My number one is a pleaser. And my number one is a rule follower. Gosh. And my number two is not. <laughs> and it's amazing how many times uh, that finds itself working out in different families. Uh, you want scrapes. You hope they don't break their arm. But you certainly love to see some scrapes. And I think that's what the Joker's talking about. Mm-hmm. And it's it's why I've not been a tremendous businessman in my life or at least realize that I'm not an entrepreneur because I don't love like taking risk and I can't Brock, imagine just failing. You won't even take out a mortgage. I've taken out mortgages. Not <laughs> barely. Off. Yes, barely. I have. Stop. Only, only Stop. when you were forced to. Stop. At, at, at near gunpoint, Stop. Brock would be like, okay, fine, I'll borrow I some money. I have taken out mortgages. <laughs> I am talking about being willing to like fail and take a giant swing and miss and it's risk. Hard. And, and I know, you know, that lots of those in business, most of those that are at the very top did that. You know, the Mr. Balmer, that, that billionaire whale down in LA, you know what he did? He, he bet, man, he took risks. And at the beginning of Microsoft, he took out more money to buy more stock and it took, you know, put out, took more debt on to buy more stock and look at him now. You know, he's a, he's an owner of a, of an NBA franchise worth, I don't know, he's worth some $30 billion. So that's business. I think we've talked about this one in sport. But this is yeah. I mean, risk is a little different here, right? I mean, I think what you're saying is something. It's similar to that, but it's not exactly the same. Uh, you know how I don't love to quote my mom, but I'll give her some props here. Uh, my mom would always say that as raising kids, you want to let them. It was her job to let us fall, but not fall down the stairs. Yes, right. Which is, I think, what you're trying to say, and the same thing. And yep. and she's absolutely right. You got to let your kids fall down. Yep. Right. You got to let them learn from some of those mistakes and not try to put up guardrails for them everywhere. But also don't let them fall down the stairs and kill themselves. Yeah. And in Europe, it's different. Their training for their athletes is different. That's right. Their their soccer programs are entirely different and their basketball programs entirely different. And I think, as I said yesterday, you look at Luka Doncic, you look at the Greek freak, you look at uh, this guy, some, some of what they are doing is absolutely right. And it's not just, hey, I'm going to play on this dominant team and we're going to beat people by 50 and we're going to be out there shooting arrows and flexing on people. No, you're actually going to play at the level against the very best and you're going to continue to get humbled and you're going to have to fail and you're going to have to keep working and you're not going, there's not going to be some, you know, super club team put together where you get to just trounce everybody and lift trophies and be baby Gronk and think you're the greatest. Nope. You're going to compete and you're going to fail and you're going to have to overcome that. Why does that even happen? I'm just so like, I just don't understand. Pride. You know how it happens. It's pride. It's pride of parents, pride of coaches, pride of programs that, yeah, look at what we can build, build, look what we can do. I sent you the picture of this team we played a month ago or two weeks ago, beat them in the championship game, wouldn't even shake our hands, flipping us off. Parents came out to charge our assistant coach. Like, I mean, it's, it's nuts, nuts, nuts. I don't, I, I don't understand the desire to beat competition that you shouldn't be playing to begin with. I really don't. I've never understood it. I just don't get it. What is the what is the excitement? What is the thrill in dominating competition that's not even at your level? Mm. I mean, I get in in the pro sports, but like 
isn't the whole point of competition to find a way to beat? I mean, like, I, I just, I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't understand it. I don't get it. I'm going to stay away from a topic that yes. will lead to a lot more controversy <laughs> if I bring it up, but it's related. <laughs> I've, I've asked about it constantly, Brock, yes. by a lot of people who are friends with you, and uh-huh. I'm not going to get into it because oh, I, no, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to do I mean, it. we hit climate change about the same time yesterday. This one's so. a little. This one might be more controversial <laughs> oh, than climate change. Okay, next, next wanting story. your daughter to break the rules. We went off the rails on Friday completely. So what? Now you want me to say this? No, no. no okay, no, good. No. Let me get to the third get topic the then. <laughs> let me let me try. Let's, I don't, not, let's not get disgusting. Not, I'm not let's going, not get controversial. This is too controversial. For, is that for what's this coming morning. out of your mouth? I was just. <laughs> You know where I was going, right? I know exactly where you were going. Why right. would you want to do that? I don't. I don't. Okay, I, I don't. Right. You know what? We're just going to move on. I'm going to play you this sound from Jeff Passon. Third topic. We're not going to have enough time for it, but it's not very good news. So uh, if for anybody who wants Shohei Otani this offseason and thinks that's the magic uh, salve that Jerry was talking about last week, I don't know, man. I just don't think it's going to happen. It's hard to, to see the Angels being a better fit than the Dodgers, but then again, I think I think Shohei Otani is someone who's very loyal and and he appreciates comfort. And man, it, to to leave to leave that behind, it, the, whether it is the Dodgers, the Mets, the Mariners, the Giants, you know, the the Yankees, the handful of teams that could be in the Otani sweepstakes. They're going to have to do a really good sales job, I think, because extracting him from that place where he's comfortable and where they give him everything he wants is a tough thing to do. Yeah, I read that and felt that yesterday is really Los Angeles more than the Angels. As he talked about going, was it up by five, down mm-hmm. I five, whatever it is, directionally, geographically oh. there to Chavez Ravine, that it was more of that, that L.A. has become pretty comfortable. Yeah, it's home. Yep, pretty pretty easy. Now it's a pretty easy flight from Seattle back to Japan as well. There's a lot of history. Is it fair to speculate? Do we know enough to know where the Mariners landed the last time around? I don't think we know. We don't know for sure. I mean, from everything I've heard, didn't matter. There was one team that he was always going to go to, and everything else was a dog and pony show. Yep. So, you know, my guess is that it will be the same this time. And I think so was Shannon it because of that, that as well. team, or was it because of that locale? Well, was it because I, I, of I think Mike it was Trout? Trout a little bit, but I'm sure that in that time, look, what do I think is going to happen? I think he's going to be a Dodger. Yeah. Okay, let, let me just say that. I think he's going to be a Dodger. And why wouldn't you be in, in his shoes, right? You look around and say, this organization is doing it perfectly, and every other organization around is trying to keep up. And they're willing to pay me $800 million. Unless he has that Baker Mayfield agenda, Brock, that I've brought up before and actually is somewhat related to what I was just talking about. Mm-hmm. Can I go to Seattle or a place like it and win for the first time and be the greatest hero ever to a city? Yeah, I remember having this conversation in the, those sweepstakes and in those meetings and how many times we brought up Ichiro mm-hmm. in the role that Ichiro, and I could not help but think as I see Ichiro there every day of spring training in his uniform and his connection and his love for this city and this organization, that that, I would think, but again, I'm making an assumption, be very careful. Uh, you know, I'm I'm assuming that that is a great thing. Maybe he would never you know, with the way some of that culture works, never want to play in the shadow of Ichiro or never ever want to do anything to take away from Ichiro's legacy and history. I mean, we just don't, we just don't know some of those things, 
but he does feel awfully comfortable down there it, in the market. It, doesn't it feel like he's going to the Dodgers when this is all said and done? They got the money. They've got – they have it all. I mean, well, if you can't they, be they, a Mariner, go be a Dodger. Get the heck out of this division. Well, that would be fine. Yeah, it would certainly be better than being here. I would be all for that. All right, it's time for Blue 88s. This is Brock and Sox Blue 88. Blue 88! Blue 88! We take you to the field as Brock Ewer breaks down three football questions as only he can. Now here's your hosts, Brock Ewer and Mike Saul. Question number one for you, Brock. We saw the Seahawks out canoeing on Lake Washington yesterday. What an adventure that must have been. Uh, Did you do any team bonding things like that in your time, either in high school, college, or the pros? Yeah, we had a, well, high school, we had a a fun little get-together for the seniors-to-be. It didn't didn't work out so great as poor Jack Whitman got a concussion jumping off the the bridge at the lake, and Mm -hmm. Dane nearly... Well, I can't really share that story. No, it was no, it was not no. good physically with what happened to him either when he jumped off the bridge with his legs spread a little bit. So that was not that was not in any way as <laughs> as good a deal as the canoeing was yesterday or as much fun as they had. We did go bowling. I do remember this vividly in training camp. <laughs> we did go bowling. Actually, it wasn't even training camp. It was we were in Kingsgate, so it was in the, it was in the, this OTA mini camp season. And I just remember Coach Holmgren sweating so much, man, watching the coaches. And I think, honestly, like, the rookies, if they can step away, it's harder as a rookie. I wasn't a rookie at that point. <laughs> but, like, the veterans and Tobeck's making fun of Holmgren. And, you know, like, to see the coaches put in some of those environments was as much fun as anything. Right? If you think about your teachers growing up, if you saw your teachers out of the of a teaching setting, it was like, oh, you know, look at look at Mr. Erdley. Oh, look at look at Mrs. Fields. Look at look at them trying to do field day, or look at them trying to do something right. outside of their norm to kind of bring people together. So I, I do remember that. I do remember the fun, the shenanigans. The bottom line, I think, in much of that, and where when you hear players say, "Oh man, there's nothing like the locker room. Oh, there's nothing like that environment," it's because a lot of times that locker room is just picking on each other, making fun of each other, ribbing each other, jabbing each other. Right? Just. Having a sense of humor, being able to laugh yeah. at one another. And sometimes that gets lost. And the best teams are typically the ones that know how to grind and work. And also, that my life experience, the ones who really know how to work, yet also the ones that really know how to have a little yeah. fun with one Funny, another. I get too. that in my marriage, all of that uh, <laughs> same locker room ribbing and making fun of. So uh, I, I really don't need well, a lot of that. Well, you get it on the show. I mean, when the show's at its best. Oh, actually, both my marriages, I would say the one to you and the one I have at home with Heather. Uh-huh. Question number two. Uh... Breer last week, and if I'm not mistaken, he, as usual, comp Geno Smith to Rich Gannon, right? Yep. What should we be taking from that comp that everyone seemed to go to starting last year? I'm done with that one. Oh, you're done? I am actually done. I, I mean, I appreciate it. We talked to Rich Gannon. He's a great guy. We did. Yeah, but I think, the, honestly, the better comp is Alex Smith. And Albert Breer even hit on that, too. Like, I, I think we now legitimately and genuinely have to look more at Alex. Now, Rich Gannon's better. And Albert, if he were arguing this, would say, hold on a second. I'm not giving that one up. It's a better one because Rich, like Gino, largely didn't play. Alex played. Alex was number one pick. Alex was battered and beaten and bruised. And But to me, when I actually went and looked at the numbers last night, Salk, I didn't realize. How many years do you think Alex Smith played for San Francisco? Uh, it wasn't that many. That's what I thought. He was there seven years, he actually. Was. 
Well, it was his eighth year that he well, went to but, Kansas but, City. But some of those years were before Harbaugh got there and fixed him, right? Yeah, I mean, there's the super- early years where he was a disaster, and then Harbaugh fin- kind of got yeah, there I mean, and, and got it was right. Chaotic. It was a, it was a Fair. disaster. It was yes. kind of like the Jets for Geno Smith. Yes, I mean, it was just a, a bad environment, and then he missed the whole season when his whole shoulder got basically stuck into his belly button, and they had to re, you know figure it and re. And put wire and hard wire and plates and steel and, you know, reconstruct his whole shoulder and arm. Collarbone is just a disaster. I think that was actually a Seahawk that hit him that knocked his shoulder out of place. So, But he was there seven years just as Gino labored for about eight in the NFL, right, in, in some dysfunctional spots. So I'm going to look a whole lot more at Alex Smith. I think that's a better comp. And what did Alex do after that first year? Right? He had all that struggle in San Francisco. He goes to Kansas City. He's 11-4. and four. Throws 23 touchdowns, seven picks. Comes back the next year, 18 touchdowns, six picks. 66% pass or better. Team wasn't quite as good. And then he really took off and won 11 games and even better rating. So, yeah, I'm I'm going to stick more to that Alex Smith one moving forward than I think I am the Rich Gannon one. All right, question number three. A question for the text play, 866-979-3776. Who hit Alex Smith? It was a Seahawk, and it's killing me right now. Who, it was, uh, oh gosh. Rocky. What year was it? Uh, what was that guy? He was a D tackle and he landed on his shoulder. I do kind of remember that. Rocky he, Bernard. There you go. Rocky Bernard. Just drove it to oblivion. All right, sorry. <laughs> Question number three. Feel better about now. Hey, Brock, we've got a deadline coming up here for the Pac-12 of their media rights agreement. I know yes. we're going to talk to uh, Bruce Feldman a little bit later, but what what's the latest? Yeah, the latest is uh, Bruce will give it to us. It's nobody knows. It's the Lumineers. But here's the deadline. Here's what I do know. It cannot stretch past mid-July. The Pac-12 media days in Vegas, by the way, is like July 19th, 20th. There it is. We're a month away. Like there's no more, okay, well, we get these spring meetings. Well, we we get spring ball. Well, we kind of like to get this done. We got the transfer portal. Nope. The hard, fast deadline is you cannot possibly Go to your media days in Vegas with the whole without country a media deal? without a media deal. So we are, uh, I'm going to say four weeks. We'll see if Feldman agrees with me, but I think we are within a four week window and we've seen enough smoke and heard enough talk. The president of the Wazoo spoke about this. Other presidents in the conference have spoken about it. There seems to be at least the first part of the deal done as far as the agreements of revenue sharing. Now it is just putting ink to paper and finalizing it. But yes, I think over four weeks, it will finally get done. Well, that would be nice. That is that is today's Blue 88. We do that, of course, every day. At 745, it's three good football questions for Brock. So bowling was your best bonding event that you did? I mean, the, honestly, the best bonding were the plane ride home on mm-hmm. my Indianapolis Colts team. The closest team, the best team, the greatest team that I ever played on that was a step away, lost to Brady in the AFC Championship game. But that team was so close. That team spent Fridays together. And that team, after games... Walking and talking, everybody hung out together on that team. The only team in my six years in the NFL that was equipped and built like that, close like that, was that group. And no, we did not play laser tag. We did not have to go do paintball. We didn't have to bowl together. You ever do paintball? No. Really? I think that'd be kind of fun. It's actually really fun. They still do it? What do you mean they still do it? Of course they do. I mean, it was huge like 10 years ago. I remember it was pretty big. They still do it. I mean, like, I don't think it's gone away. Dude, paintball is really fun. I've only done it once. I woke up at like the crack of dawn. This is when I lived in uh, by the beach in L.A. Yeah. And I lived with these like 
don't know, these guys were nuts. Anyway, they woke up super early. One of the dudes was like in the car chugging vodka on the way up to oh. the, oh yeah, not the driver, but one of the other guys. Like six in the morning, he's got a ball of vodka just chugging it on the way up. We did it up in the valley in LA. Yeah. It was like a thousand degrees and was one of the best days I've ever had in my life. You know what I'm feeling right now as you're talking about this? I'm feeling a charitable, Brock and Salk charitable event with a hundred of our listeners uh. and give them paintball guns to just go after us. <laughs> I wonder yeah. what they would do with it. Wow. We already let them dunk on me. Now we've got to give them paintball to make it worse. Yeah, I mean, but, but you make a charitable donation. You know, we'll find something great, and they all can donate a little bit. Something and then it's... tells me we would get out of there cleaner than Salk would. <laughs> what? The, the hunt is on. The Brock and Salk hunt is on. Let's go. I don't know whether I like the way this is going, Maura. Hold on a minute. This has gotten away from me a little bit. This was my idea. Now all of a sudden, it's team turning bonding. on me. Look at this, look at this team bonding. Yeah, I don't, I don't care for this. Let's, uh, let's go to break before we get ourselves into any trouble here. Uh, when we come back, we'll play our favorite game, which is better next on Brock and Salk, which is better hitting Mike Salk with a paintball or hitting somebody else. Boy, I wonder what everybody's going to say.